our cell phones and turn them off, um, and want to confirm that the session is in fact being recorded. We would like to remind those of you who are present, if you would uh, contribute $11 for the lunch that we, that we provided and ask one of your members at each table to be responsible for collecting those funds. Uh, the Southern Alberta Council of Public Affairs is a volunteer nonprofit organization and relies on the contributions of its members and session attendees. Memberships are available from Lisa. We would like to thank our partners, the University of Lethbridge, for its support and distribution of notices, Country Kitchen Catering for its great lunches, Shaw TV for broadcasting sessions Sundays at 4.30 p.m., CKUX 88.3, FM Radio Live, the Lethbridge Herald, as well as other media covering today's event and other SACPA events. For the purposes of our discussion today, the session will enable us to um, listen to and consider the message of um, our Greg Reddick, the MLA for Lethbridge West, as he addresses us on the burning issues facing Lethbridge and, uh, and Alberta from an MLA's perspective. Um, Greg will have 25 to 30 minutes to make his presentation, following which we'll enjoy some lunch and we'll reconvene at 1 p.m. for questions from the various members of the audience. Greg Weddick is well known to those of us who are here today. He is a longtime, well, he's a lifelong resident of Lethbridge. His family, a fourth generation resident, in fact. He has, was elected to his second term as a member of the Legislative Assembly for Alberta for Lethbridge West on April 23, 2012, making it this his sixth year as an MLA. He's currently serving as the Associate Minister of Recovery and Reconstruction of Southeast Alberta and a member of the Southern Alberta Recovery Ministerial Task Force. He's also held cabinet positions as the Minister of Advanced Education and Technology, as well as the Associate Minister of Municipal Affairs. Greg has served on many all-party committees within the Legislative Assembly, including the Special Standing Committee on Member Services, the Standing Committee on the Economy, and the Standing Committee on Public Accounts. As, we, as I said, Greg has deep roots in Lethbridge. Graduating from the University of Lethbridge in 1976 before beginning a successful career as a small business owner. He and his wife, Joanne, have been substantial contributors to the well-being of the city, Greg having previously served as an alderman. Would you please give Greg a warm Sakba welcome? Well, thank you for that kind introduction, Cam, and it's great to be here. I was just saying to Cam that uh, uh, Joanne and I were talking last night uh, about coming to SACPA today, uh, and uh, this is uh, year 25 for me coming to SACPA. The very first time I came, as, uh, as someone talking, Art was up here with me as well, and we were running for council in about 1998, uh, and uh, been coming uh, since then for a number of different uh, uh, issues and reasons, but it's always great to come and, uh, and talk to folks and listen to the folks at SACPA and get a good feedback uh, from everyone here. I'm going to talk about some of the issues that are facing uh, the provincial government, the province, uh, and the city of Lethbridge, uh, because uh, there are, are a number of things that, uh, that we have to come to grips with, and you will know about many of them. Uh, I'll talk about the, the issues from a provincial perspective first, uh, and what we're focusing on, and then talk about some of the, the uh, community uh, issues as well that we're working on right now. Uh, so, 
two of the things that we're, we're really uh, faced with, two of the big challenges we're faced with in the province of Alberta, uh, and part of it is just our own success. Uh, one of our challenges is the growth challenges in Alberta. We had over 100,000 people move to Alberta last year, uh, which is more than the city of Lethbridge moved here. Uh, and when they move here, they don't bring their schools. They don't bring their doctors, they don't bring their teachers, uh, they don't bring their roads, and we uh, we welcome in, them into our communities. We also don't pick where they move to live, so it can put incredible strains on infrastructure in communities, uh, and it's something that we're, we're working with, but Alberta is a place that people want to be. There's employment. We have a great climate. Uh, we have freedom for business to operate. We have low taxes. We have no sales taxes. And it's a place where people like to be. And people from across the country and around the world are, are finding Alberta uh, as a place that they want to call home. That stress uh, that that creates uh, means that communities, because all of this happens at the community level, communities are faced with trying to make sure that they have adequate uh, services for people, that they have uh, subdivisions developed where we can build homes for people, that we have low cost housing options for some families when they move here. Uh, we're, we're seeing many people with, uh, with uh, children with disabilities coming to Alberta because the services here are second to none in this country. Uh, so people are looking to Alberta as a beacon of hope for their families uh, and for other members of the community. So we uh, are, are going to work with you uh, as the provincial government to, to rise to that occasion and make sure that we have the services available as Alberta continues to grow. We expect to have another million people move to Alberta within the next eight years or so and hit five million people. Now, if we'd have said ten years ago that Alberta would hit five million people, most everyone would have laughed at us. But we crossed the three and a half million mark uh, last July. We're moving very quickly towards that five million uh, residents in Alberta, and we need to make sure we have wonderful, safe communities for them to live in, schools for their children, uh, emergency rooms and hospitals uh, for them. And as you see in Lethbridge, the announcements recently about seven school modernizations, two new schools being built, one on the north side, one on the west side, uh, about the upgrading at the hospital of over $100 million, doubling the size of the emergency room, and also the quarter of a billion dollar investment in post-secondary here with, with uh, the new trades facility being built at the college, which will help train the tradesmen and the people we need to build our province, and the new uh, science uh, and, and research uh, center at the University of Lethbridge, over $200 million there, uh, which will provide uh, training opportunities, educational opportunities for young people that can use that both across uh, Alberta, Canada, and around the world. So this is really the place to be uh, in Canada, and the investment is here. Uh, the, the, I was talking to Economic uh, Development Lethbridge, and they said the spin-off is about three to one. So just the infrastructure investment in the post-secondaries will create about a billion dollars of economic activity in the Lethbridge area. If you add to that uh, the hospital, the schools that are going to be built, and the other projects, it very quickly shows that a million and a half to two million dollars of real economic activity happening in and around Lethbridge over the next uh, three or four years. So it's an incredible amount of activity. And we have to be able to manage that well. So that is one of the challenges we have is growth. The second provincial challenge we face uh, is uh, getting our goods to market. And we've heard a lot lately about grain, 
uh, about oil. We hear about pipelines for, for oil and natural gas, liquefied natural gas. There are markets around the world that need our products. Uh, for example, they're saying that within the next 10 years, there will only be six countries in the world that will be net exporters of food, with Canada being one of them. So the rest of the countries will be relying on those six to make sure that they have food available for their growing populations. Well, it's an onerous task. It's a huge responsibility. And to do that, we have to be able to get our products to market. And whether that's grain, uh, uh, beans, lentils, uh, chickens, beef, uh, or oil and gas, we have to be able to get that to market through pipelines, trains, trucks. We have to have the infrastructure to do it. It's an incredible investment. Every day we hear about uh, offloading facilities being developed across the province where they can load or unload goods from trains at various locations. We have one just south of Lethbridge where a lot of the wind turbines and a lot of the grain coming into the province is loaded and unloaded. We have them in the north where they're putting oil from trucks into tanks going onto trains that are going to roll to various markets around the world. So, so that market access is probably the biggest single challenge we have. For the last 40 years, our biggest customer has been just to the south of us. They've been a great customer. They've bought our they bought our products, they bought our, our grain, and they bought uh, a lot of our uh, beef, and they bought oil and gas, uh, but we have to expand that. As the U.S. moves towards energy self-sufficiency, we're looking at markets to the east and not markets in Europe uh, to sell our uh, energy products as well as our uh, other products. So it's going to be an ongoing uh, challenge both to find customers and move our products to market. And so you'll see a lot of what happens at the provincial level is people going out to connect with uh, and taking businesses along with them to connect with uh, potential customers in the Far East, in India, in China, where they have very rapidly growing economies, um, millions and millions of people moving into the middle class and buying more protein, looking for better quality goods, and, uh, and looking for opportunities to buy that. So we can meet the needs of that, but we have to be able to get our products to market. So that will be one of the other big challenges that we will have. And I guess the third one uh, that, is, that happens quietly, with all of that happening, we need to keep our communities safe. We need to keep our communities uh, healthy. We need to make sure we have services for people that need it. We need to make sure we have services for people with disabilities, that, that our seniors have uh, great accommodations and places to live. So even though we're the center of activity, we also have to make sure we take care of Albertans. We have to take care of our children. We have to take care of our, uh, of our seniors. We have to take care of everyone else. And that leads me to some of the local issues that, uh, that we are working on as well. As you know, Probably the two that have had the most headlines and, and clearly have taken the most of my time uh, over the past uh, uh, two years are the um, emergency medical service piece and the, uh, the oil drilling in the urban area, which is a little bit newer but, but incredibly important as well. So the emergency medical piece, uh, it's been uh, a significant amount of work as we move towards a model where much of what's happened uh, in the system, uh, when the province took over ambulance, Ambulance used to be delivered by every community. So Lethbridge had our own ambulance service. We paid for it. We delivered it. We took people to the hospital, and then they became Alberta Health's uh, issue. Uh, five years ago or so, six years ago, uh, the province took over all of the ambulance service in the, pro in, in, in the province. So what that meant was uh, we took over both the delivery but also the payment. So we now pay the city of Lethbridge to deliver ambulance on our behalf. We we took over the city of Calgary's ambulance and we delivered ourselves. So basically it was a net savings, I think, to Calgary of about $50 million a year when they handed their ambulance over to us. So we now operate all of the ambulance system across the province. 
And in places like Calgary where the system was unique and separate from their fire services, it was quite easy to, to move that over and have it operated by Alberta Health Services as opposed to the uh, city of Calgary. But in places like Lethbridge, uh, Red Deer, uh, Fort McMurray, uh, Leduc, Strathmore, uh, Strathcona County, we over the years have developed what was called an integrated service, and I believe it's the best model of delivering ambulance and fire service in the world. We have an integrated service that's worked here for 100 years, and it involves uh, dual trained people that can deliver both fire suppression services and ambulance services. So we have paramedics that can go out on a fire truck, can deliver uh, health care to a citizen that they come across right from that fire truck, but can also fight a fire, can uh, can deal with uh, other issues. If there's a motor vehicle accident, can make sure that, that any liquids that are coming out, we're not going to have a fire so that the people in the car are safe, and they can also extract people from those vehicles. So it's been a system that worked incredibly well. And what we started to realize as the province uh, moved into taking over uh, and contracting now with us, it started to create a challenge to delivering the integrated service where that fellow on the fire truck could be both an ambulance person and a fire person at the same time. And so we've worked over five years to develop a model in Lethbridge where uh, everyone works for the city, but on certain days they may be seconded on an ambulance but they're also on a fire truck and able to respond to both. And it, it allows us to have still the best and safest system. Uh, and as the province moved towards centralizing dispatch, we realized that that could have a significant impact. Right now, we have a dispatch. Uh, if you've ever been to the 911 call center, we have people taking 911 calls, and in the same room, uh, almost around a table like that, we have people dispatching police, fire, and ambulance, all in one room. Contained, very very sensible. It works fabulously. They can talk to each other. They can work together. And we used to be able to dispatch fire and ambulance together. So we knew where that fire truck with the paramedic was. We knew what the time for an ambulance to arrive was. And we could manage very well how that happened so that we could keep the citizens safe, get the paramedic on scene as quickly as we could, and still have that ambulance there when we needed to transport or, or serve uh, that client. So it was a great system. As we started to uh, to look at, as the province started to talk about uh, um, centralizing the dispatch, we started to realize this could have a significant impact uh, on how we deliver service. If we're um, sending out the fire trucks from Lethbridge with no knowledge of how the ambulances are being dispatched from Calgary, we could have we could have uh, a lot of mix-up in how we get people to the scene, who's going to the scene, where the ambulances are at any one time, and we realized that the most effective way to do this would be to have us continue to deliver the dispatch for that integrated service. So uh, on behalf, I worked with uh, Fort McMurray, with, and I traveled the province for uh, a year and a half meeting with fire departments, with volunteer fire departments, with with uh, 911 call takers, with cities and towns and villages, with, uh, uh, with uh, integrated services and non-integrated services to look at a number of things. And one of them was how does 911 call taking work? How do we transfer those calls into a dispatch center? Because typically the 911 call taker is not the person that dispatches anyone. They take the call, they say, what do you need, fire ambulance or police? And then they send it to a dispatcher that would then dispatch whatever's needed. 
And we started to realize that if we can't streamline that process in those communities that have integrated services, it could have a negative impact. So uh, in working with uh, the mayors in those communities, uh, Bridget and I sat down with, uh, with Minister Horn over the last uh, year in a number of meetings and talked about how two things. First off, how critically important and how much we support our integrated service. We believe that it's effective, that it's cost effective, and that it delivers a higher level of service than any other kind because we can deliver a paramedic on a fire truck. They don't have to all be in an ambulance. If the ambulances are tied up, we can still have a paramedic at a scene uh, of an accident or at a scene where there's been a heart attack taking care of that person until we can get an ambulance there. So we have a wonderful system. And so we've been working to say we believe that in these instances, uh, in these communities, uh, it makes good sense to keep that dispatch uh, piece together uh, for uh, fire and ambulance within the community. So uh, in January, we met with Minister Horn, and he said, I've, I've considered all the things you've had to say. I've looked at the report from your discussions, and I've decided that we will change our projected model. Uh, and so now what we're going to create is a model where we have two central um, dispatch centers, Calgary and Edmonton, We'll have four satellite dispatch centers in Peace River, Fort McMurray, Red Deer, and Lethbridge. They'll continue to dispatch the areas that they do around their communities, so the 30-odd communities that we dispatch, uh, and maybe even some others, depending on how it works. But there's going to be some changes to how we how we manage that. So we're going to want to have consistent training across the system. So our people in Lethbridge will be trained the same as Red Deer and, Lethbridge and, and Calgary and everywhere else. We want to have consistent technology so that every... Right now... We don't know where all the ambulances are. Our, our dispatch people have no idea where all the ambulances are. We have a pretty good idea where our ambulances are, but we don't know where all the other ones are. With the new technology, there will be a computer screen in the dispatch center that will show every ambulance in our region and across the province, whether it started out in Medicine Hat or Milk River or Calgary, we'll be able to see them. And so if we get a call in Vauxhall and there's an ambulance coming back to Tabor from Calgary, we can dispatch that ambulance right into Vauxhall to take care of that person, meet that need, and then transport them to either the Tabor Hospital or wherever they need to go. So it's going to create the best possible use of the resources we have, and that's the technology piece that they're working on right now to ensure that we can see every ambulance that's available and we can dispatch those ambulances, the closest ones to the, to the, uh, to the calls that we have. So this is all part of the, the reconstruction. So tomorrow at uh, noon at 11.30, uh, Mayor Spearman and myself and Bridget and the mayors of the other communities are going to meet with Fred Horn in Calgary and talk about how this new model will look, what it will look like, uh, because there's two stages, making sure we get the model right and making sure we know how it will service the communities it's in and the areas around them, what the technology needs and that are. Then the second piece is actually for folks to then sit down and negotiate the contract. What, what are the costs to deliver this? Because at the end of the day, AHS will pay those communities uh, to deliver that dispatch service, and that's a, that's a, a, a piece that will have to be negotiated. So... As we go through the process, we'll, we'll get the big pieces tomorrow, have a good look at what the model will look like, and then we can sit down and put the, the contracts together that will allow us to continue to dispatch. I think it's great news. Uh, I'm very excited about that uh, because a year ago it didn't look like there was any opportunity for Lethbridge, Red Deer, or Fort McMurray to keep any uh, dispatch services for, for EMS 
And so uh, that change and that real that realization uh, through being able to meet with and talk with uh, communities and MLAs, and we had some great meetings at AUMA this fall. Uh, the city of Lethbridge, along with some of the communities from around us, the city of Red Deer, uh, Fort McMurray, we all sat and met with the health minister and talked to him about the community impacts and said, you know, sometimes it looks good on paper, but these, this is what it's really like if you live in Lethbridge or Coaldale or Fort McMurray. We talked about the unique challenges. Fort McMurray, for example, not only do they have to manage their fire department and ambulance system, but each one of the major oil companies has their own private uh, oil or has their own private fire ambulance system. And they all work together. But a central dispatch in, in uh, Edmonton would have no idea what the public, the private sector resources out there that work with us and respond to, to, uh, to events in Fort McMurray or around the, uh, the various facilities there would be. So this was an opportunity to talk about the unique challenges that Lethbridge faces uh, with, our, with our agricultural uses down here, with all the activity that's going on with our combined services and how we work closely with uh, Milk River and Raymond and, and Fort Cloud and all the other communities here uh, as a real region. And so when we did that, uh, the minister went back and, uh, and came back in January and said, you know what, you guys are right, I think we can make this work. So we're very pleased, we'll work on that for you and continue, and I'm hoping that you know in the next month or two that contract is, is finalized, we have a great uh, system and we can move forward with delivering uh, long into the future that, that piece. The other one that's happened recently is... Um, uh, the the urban drilling piece and the first uh, that really it, it hit the uh, the news in any way was about three years ago in Calgary and a company in Calgary uh, wanted to drill uh, in uh, Ward One in Calgary uh, and I know the councillor in the ward our uh, MLA Sandra Jansen uh, they all went to work on it they didn't believe it was an appropriate location. Uh, and uh, they worked with uh, the city, with the oil companies, with through the through the uh, regulator uh, to try to deal with that. And that's when it first hit the uh, sort of hit the the the, the, the visual uh, media that there's something going on around drilling. Uh, and then Sandra brought in a res uh, uh, a uh, a bill to the house, or actually a motion to the house, uh, asking that we put together uh, policies around urban drilling. And so that was passed by the legislature, uh, and uh, we're now moving forward on trying to put that together. Uh, I've sent a letter to the Minister of, of uh, Energy and asked to please fast-track that, streamline that. Let's see if we can get that out in the next month or so, so that any drilling within urban areas will have a basic set of policy parameters around which they, the, the municipality and the, and the regulator and the companies can all uh, work. So that's, that's one piece we've been working on uh, is to try to get that up and running and get an urban policy in place uh, so that it'll impact every community because Lethbridge isn't the only one that has drilling happening but we're the one that's, that has some happening right now. So on the golden key issue, my understanding today is that there's no uh, application been made uh, they have land leased on the west side that they and they're pr proceeding with uh, with public process to look at whether or not they they can get approval to drill. Uh, in doing some research, we found that there's been about 5,000 applications over the last year turned down uh, for drilling uh, in the province. So it is something that can happen. It is something that does happen. 
uh, I got to thank the uh, the city of Lethbridge and the residents uh, in my constituency and across the city, in fact, for becoming very vocal. Uh, they've penned letters. They have gone on the regulators' website. Uh, I know when uh, when uh, we were called early in in the fall to come to Gold Gardens, Bridget and I both went down and spoke about uh, about the issue. And it was fairly new on the on the uh, in the media at that time. And we both came out at that time and said we don't support it. We don't support drilling in the community. Uh, we've been very consistent in that right from that day one. I know others since then have come out, and other politicians have been in town uh, in the months since then. And saying how they disagree with uh, with it as well, but I can tell you that first day when we were invited to the park, uh, we stood up and we made a stand and said we don't support uh, drilling. And we're going to see what we can do about it. Uh, there is a process in place where it has an approval process, but we're going to do what we can as elected officials. And so we have uh, passed on every bit of information, uh, emails, uh, letters to the ministers involved. I've met uh, on a number of occasions with the environment minister. Uh, with the energy minister and talk not only about the concerns in Lethbridge because we do have concerns we have concerns around health health and safety health and safety of the citizens that live there health and safety of the students in the schools uh, I just announced a new school to be built in Copperwood that's probably within a kilometer of, of where the drilling sites are going to be there's a lot of concern about, about the health and safety of those students uh, especially if uh, if this drilling was to was to find sour gas, which could create uh, some unique challenges. So, uh, health and safety is one key. Another one is uh, development. Lethbridge is growing very quickly, and West Lethbridge is the fastest growing area. So, this area where the drilling is being looked at is is the area where homes are going to be built over the next few years. This is where families are going to be living. Uh, we don't want to see large tracts of West Lethbridge. Uh, that can't even be developed because there's uh, there's uh, oil and gas development roads and access to those uh, maybe even truck maybe even truck routes uh, that are going to be having to get in there that would limit the availability to, to put in the services that we need. Uh, the city of Lethbridge has just committed incredible money into that area to build a new twin ice arena, ten sheets of of, uh, of uh, curling ice. Uh, we have constructed two high schools, a library, uh, and we've got all the soccer fields. Uh, this is an area that has had huge investment to create residential community for us to live in, and we don't believe that, that this is a, a use that necessarily mixes well with that. So, so uh, we'll continue to work on that. I've also talked to the minister a little bit about the Fort McMurray solution, and we can talk about that a little later, but there's some tracts of land in Fort McMurray that have been uh, where the leases have been purchased back and where uh, drilling won't be allowed so that the community can develop into those areas fairly quickly. So I've talked about some of those uh, potential fixes, moratoriums or, or other uh, options that we can look at uh, as to how we might be able to manage this uh, until we can get a good set of urban policies in place. And in fact, yesterday I went to the MGA uh, discussions. We're having the Municipal Government Act is under review. I went to the discussion yesterday and we actually did talk a little bit about what should the role of the municipality even be in things like uh, for example, if you have oil wells that need to be cleaned up, uh, if you have orphan wells, if you have people coming in and wanting to drill, because none of the jurisdiction for that uh, falls within the municipality, although many of the impacts do. And I know when I was on city council, we bought a piece of property in the river valley, wanting to add it to our river valley and found out there was an abandoned well. 
Uh, we ended up having to clean it up at a cost of $75,000 uh, that, that we hadn't originally uh, thought of. I think Art was even there at the time. And one of the big challenges we had in the 50s, they used arsenic as, uh, as a plant kill, as a plant uh, steroid. So we had two acres of ground that had arsenic spread all over it, and it was two feet deep, and we had to completely scrape and remove the soil and then bring new soil in even to be able to remediate that area. So huge challenges can be created uh, even down the road. So we want to make sure that as we go forward, uh, uh, how we can manage those. So there was discussion on what would be the role of a municipality under the MGA. Should they have some decision-making ability uh, in uh, resource development. So that's going to be another discussion that as we review the MGA over the next year, if it gets built in with some uh, availability for, for development permission through municipalities, there may be a role for municipalities to play as well. So there's two or three prongs where we may be able to have impact, uh, and we've been working on all of those over the past few months. So uh, with that, I think that's uh, time is up. It was a great opportunity, and I look forward to answering some questions a little bit later and having a discussion. Thank you.